If you've got your Bibles, come on, we're going we're gonna to look today, um, week three in our series. Um, we've been looking at uh, a financial series just again to um, you know, help us in this place that we are in the stewardship. As I said to um, our church, I haven't done a money series for six years and um, feel a little bit convicted by that because part of, I guess, us learning is, is about understanding how God sees our stewardship and all of those sorts of things. And so today we want to look at dealing with the spirit of mammon and uh, to do that. So Father, I just thank you for your word. I pray that today, God, it would be an encouragement. It will just help us to uh, give us new understanding, new perspective. And Father, we thank you today that your plan, your plan, your heart for us, Lord, is to establish kingdom truths on the inside, that our lives may know you and that we would be transformed by you. And so, God, we just pray today, have your way as we come around your word in Jesus' mighty name. And we said, fantastic. Now, the relationship we have with money will impact the relationship we have with God. One of the things we said a couple of weeks ago, really important, how you use your money, how you see your money, how you steward your money will always have a, a connection with your relationship with God. Um, if we don't control money, money will control us. Okay, And so today we're going to talk about mammon. We're going to look at what that is. The first week in our series, we talked about how God owns everything. And the key scripture for that was 1 Chronicles 29, 11, 12. I highlight this one. It's a great verse in our Bibles. And it just simply says everything. Everyone say everything. Everything, everything in the heavens and the earth is yours. Do you know what? As a believer, that one-liner, you need to put that in your heart and you need to remember that every single day of your life. You know what I mean? Every sinking, everything is yours, God. Everything. You know, the car that we drive, the house we live in, the planet, our nation, when we look at nature, when we look at the universe, you know, I love how, you know, scientists keep finding galaxies and, you know, it's a wonder, but God already knows it because he knows he owns everything. Amen. Everything in the heavens and the earth is yours, O Lord, and this is your kingdom. For we adore you as being in control of everything. Riches and honor come from you alone and you are the ruler of mankind. For your hand controls power and might, and it's at your discretion that men are made great and are given strength, you know? You know, as believers, you know, we, we live in this reality, and we're looking around, and I don't know about you, but my head goes all over the place. I'm thinking, there's so much stuff happening, but yet I kind of come back, and I've got to remind myself that God is in control of everything. He owns it all. Amen? So that was the first week we looked at. We're all stewards. God's entrusted us with life, with family, with gifts, with talents, with resources and abilities. And we understand that one day our master is going to ask us to give an account for what was entrusted to us. Okay, That's a good one to remember as well, is that, that we're going to just meet with him face to face, heart to heart, and actually have a good chat. And he's going to say, how'd you go? And we all want to hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant, <laughs> right? But there's two things, right? Servant and faithful. We, we, there's a faithfulness. There's an element of responsibility that we live this life with. 
It's not happy-go-lucky, but there's this sense that, God, every day you want purpose. Every day there's meaning. Every day there's significance. Every day there's relational connection. And God, I thank you that you're in control because you're in control. I don't need to be. The second week we looked at the, our, 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 um, our need to learn contentment. And that scripture was 1 Timothy 6. And it says, Yet true godliness with contentment in itself is great wealth. After all, you brought nothing with us when we came into the world, and we can't take anything with us when we leave it. How good is that? A reminder. Okay, don't matter if you're the, the you know, Jeff Bozo of the world, or if you're the, you know, a homeless person on the street, you brought nothing in, you can't take anything with you. It's a great, healthy reminder. I always like to look when I see all those mansions around and, you know, we, we don't cover it, we don't look at them and go, oh, I'd really like to live in that one, um, you know. But, you know, I just sort of sometimes go, you know what, hope they're enjoying it now because it's maybe all they're going to get, right? Because the Bible says it's so harder for a rich person to enter into the kingdom because they've got so much. And the reality is, is they've got so little when we compare to eternal things. And so... Contentment is knowing God's plan for your life and having a conviction to live it despite what circumstances we're in. And, and here we go. We want to look at today the spirit of mammon. So, Lord, thank you for today. Your word, let it live in our hearts in Jesus' name. And we said, Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 to 24. Jesus is teaching this sermon, the great sermon of the mount, and he just touches on a whole bunch of different things, on prayer, on fasting, of being seen, how we live, how we treat one another, how we look at our marriages, how we look at all kinds of things. And in all of that, he brings up the area of money. And he says simply this, he says, don't store up treasures here on earth where moth uh, eat and rust destroys them and where thieves can break in and steal. Instead, store your treasures in heaven where moth and rust cannot destroy and thieves cannot break in and steal. For wherever your treasure is, the desires of your heart will be also. For your eye is like a lamp that provides light for your body. And when your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. For when your eye is unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness." And if the light that you think you have is actually darkness, then how great is that darkness? For no one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other, and you will be devoted to one and despise the other, for you cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. You know, the kingdom is all about our freedom. God is not a party pooper. God is not a control freak. God is not the Lord, I'm going to break you and crush you until you submit to me. Jesus is about the reason he came was to set us free. God, the reason God sent Christ into the world was to set us free. He was to come and to redeem us of our sin and our sinfulness and to bring truth and the kingdom of God on the inside of us. That you and I would learn to live with a different lens. What we think, how we see, what we say, and how, what we do. That you and I would be different than the world because of the one who lives in us. And so what happens is this, is that God wants to bring the kingdom of God alive in us. The Bible says in John 10, 10, that the thief comes only to rob, steal, kill, and destroy. I've come that you may have life and that you may have it more abundantly. 
Okay, God wants us to live in a prosperous, healthy, free life. You know, the Bible says in different parts of Scripture, you know, all things we can have, but not all things are good for us. And so there's this, there's this limit in life. There's these measures. There's these choices. There's all of this stewardship stuff that we need to learn. And money's exactly the same. And Jesus was touching about this because, you see, he doesn't want us. He wants us to understand the deceptiveness of the enemy. He said, look, we're in a world, a material world. And the th- fact is, is this, is that we've got to understand the world that we live in. We're in it, but God says, don't be of it. And so that's the real tension. How many find that really hard sometimes? I do. It's a tension because we live in this thing and it shouts at us. It's in our faces. It's on our TV screens. It's everywhere. It's on our phones. You name it, it's all there. It's a material world. But in the midst of the material world, God has got a people in the earth called the church of Jesus Christ. And the reality of an eternal world, an eternal kingdom, a different way to live, a different perspective on life, a different calling in the midst of this world. Because what we see, we know, is not going to be here forever. The Bible helps us to gain perspective and understanding in how to walk in the ways of God. It helps us to make wise choices and to form good habits And most importantly, live in right relationship with Father God. You see, our God wants to love us and he wants us to live a free life. Not coerced, not obligation, not under law, but he came to fulfill the law so that we could be free. And he who the sun sets free shall be free indeed. Amen. Matthew 6.24 says, you cannot serve both God and mammon. The word mammon relates to riches, to wealth, to treasure. It represents material wealth or an entity that promises wealth. The Babylonians in the day worshipped the God of mammon. And Babylon was a city founded on pride and arrogance. Remember the Tower of Babel in Genesis 11. You know, God created mankind, and there was this intellectual ability that God had given man. And they began to build this tower, and they began to go, well, we'll, go, we'll build a tower to heaven. And then all of a sudden, God destroyed the tower and mixed them up their languages and all the rest of it. But you know what? The midst of that foundation was pride. We can do this by ourselves. We don't need you, God, in our life anymore. And God reminded them that they weren't God, but he was God. And so we see this. So Mammon, you know, talks about this this system, the world of riches. Mammon is used to describe the debasing influence of material wealth in a person's soul. Mammon is associated with greedy pursuits and of gain. Poverty and pride are spirits that associate themselves also with this spirit of mammon. Envy, jealousy, comparison, selfishness, lusts are all associated with the spirit of mammon. And so here's where we see in Scripture that Jesus and Paul teaches these things. In, in, in uh, 1 John, it says here, um, you know, the disciples said, Do not love the world or anything in the world. For if anyone loves the world, for the love of the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. And the world and its desires pass away, 
but whoever does the will of God will live forever. Here's this tension again, is that we live in this natural material world and it's all around us. And so it's a deliberate choice. It's a deliberate discipline. It's a deliberate practice not to get sucked in and allured into what that may be all about. How many here like boats? Big boats. I see a big boat hand down the back. You know, I, boats were really cool. We had ski boats. And I think I've shared this once before, but when the America's Cup was on in Auckland, they had the super yachts come to town. And we used to always go and have a look at the big boats, you know. And uh, how many here have ever heard of Amway? Yep. Okay, so one of the families in Amway had a super yacht. It was only worth something like a cool $125 million. And somebody else sailed it to Auckland. And uh, the family, you know, flew in and limousine to the dock. And, and they just were there eating and drinking and watching the America's Cup, as you do, right? And, um, you know, and I, don't, I can remember someone was saying, oh, you've got all your kids here, you know, to the owners as they walked on and they were chauffeured in. And he says, yes, we've got them all here, you know. You've got to have good toys to keep them close, you know. And I'm thinking, oh, wow, you know. It's like, that's another world, right? But, like, big boats are beautiful. There's a few down at Southport on the, on the Goldie. And, uh, you know... But here's the thing, it's just a boat, right? It does the same thing as a small boat. It's the same as houses. You can, there's one just over the road here in the next street who's just come on the market. It's the one I think would be a great pastor's manse. I don't know, I, I get a good witness on it, you know? And uh, we were away up the coast and we were like, I said, Anna, Anna, there's something that's come on the market, you know, and uh, it's cool, it's nice, it's kind of got a New Zealand look, it's a chalet, kind of, I thought, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, and then I looked, and then I looked again, and I looked a third time, I'm thinking, it's got a price range of 20 to 22 million dollars. <laughs> Who wants to come and live with the pastor? <laughs> Caretakers, that's right. You know, you know what? It's just a house. It does the same thing as my house. All right. And there's more lawns for it to mow. And, and, uh, but here's the funny thing we live in a material world, right? And, and, and we learn contentment. We learn this fact that, you know, be, be content with where we are on the way to where God's going. But understand is this is that it's not worth the strive and the struggle because this life is like this bit compared to the eternity that we're going to live. And so God's heart is for us to be free. God's heart is for us to be filled with the knowledge of him. God's heart is for us to be blessed and to be prosperous. But God doesn't want stuff owning us and entangling our heart. And this is just simply what it says here. You know, the lust of the eyes, the lust of uh, the flesh and the pride of life. Mammon is a spirit that attaches itself to riches and wealth. And the first commandment that God ever gave in Exodus 20, is that you shall have no other gods before me. Amen? That's another one, right? You've got to think about that. And, uh, you know, a simple guitar is a great thing. I wish maybe I used to learn, could learn how to play guitar. That's not quite right. Um, I can't. Um, I'm, I'm amazed at it. But, you know, like, 
A good thing can become a bad thing if we love it more than we love our God. And it doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter what it is. Because a God doesn't necessarily have to be a statue. It's a, it's a something in our heart that gives it the attention. And he said, you shall have no other gods before me. It's, 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 it's the why believers we practice and hold the conviction to the principle of God first. Because we understand this, whoever holds our heart holds our life. And God wants us to get to the end of this life with him as number one in all things. Amen. Money isn't the problem. Everyone say money isn't the problem. And I want you to understand that. Because God, we all go to work. We all have an income that we are blessed with. We are blessed incredibly in this nation with our services, our social services, with our health services, with all of the stuff that we get. I know our jobs, I've got to say this because I'm the pastor, are wonderful. We wake up every day and we love it. No, um, and we do. But you know, when we go to work, it's a, it's a way that we get to use our gifts, our talents. Um, we labor, and for that labor, we get a reward, and that's an entrustment of God in what he's given to us. And we've all got amazing different things in our lives. God does want us to prosper and flourish and to be fruitful and to increase, but he doesn't want us to be dominated or controlled by anything or anyone. He wants us not to be controlled or influenced by the world system, but for you and I to walk in his ways. And the idea is this, is to truly prosper in God's ways, we must break free from the spirit of mammon or riches that dominate our life. I hate weeds in the garden. And actually, as I drove in this morning, I thought, I've got to get the weeder out because there's all these prickles and bindies and everything that's coming up in the front gardens. And, and, but you know what? I'll go out there and we'll poison them. We'll kill them off. But you know what? They'll be back in a month or two. You watch out. They'll be back, those little rotters, you know? And here's the thought that, that, that seed, the money, the spirit that sometimes comes to us is just so subtle. And this is what it's all about. Money, mammon was at work in the rich young ruler's heart. In Mark chapter 10, 17 to 27, as he was setting out on a journey, a young man ran to him, knelt before him and asked, good teacher, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. He said, you know the commandments, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not give false testimony, do not defraud, but honor your father and mother. And he said, but teacher, I've kept all of these things from my youth. And looking at him, Jesus showed uh, love to him and said to him, but one thing it is that you lack, one thing. And he said to him, he said, uh, go and sell your possessions and give them to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven that come from God. Follow me. And then he said he was deeply dismayed by these words and he went away grieving for he was one who owned much property and jesus looking around said to the disciples how hard will it be for those who are wealthy to enter the kingdom of god and the disciples were amazed at his words you see the young guy had done well in life but something held his heart more than what jesus did and Jesus just cut to the trace and, and, he, trace and he said, just, you know what, there's one thing that you've got to do. Just give up that and then you'll find out true riches. And it says he went away grieving because he didn't want to give up what he had. 
for all what God had. Mammon was at work. Another story, Ananias and Sapphira, Acts chapter 5, verses 1 to 11. Now a man named Ananias, together with his wife Sapphira, also sold a piece of property. And with his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for themselves and bought the rest out and put it at the apostles' feet. How many know when revival hits town, it's awesome? And back in the day, they didn't have buildings, they didn't have, you know, they had temples, but they, you know, I mean, there was just this mass move of God happening. And, uh, you know, there was such generosity, there was this excitement, there was all this kind of stuff. And obviously, they had an expansion offering happening. You know? <laughs> and, uh, and whatever it was, they were, they'd had agreed to. And uh, people were just, you know, giving up things and bringing things and putting it at the eldership's feet for them to distribute to where the need was. And, uh, and anyway, for whatever the reason was, but they had colluded in their heart to present something to the church, but weren't completely honest. And we know the story. Peter said to Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and kept for yourself some of the money you received for the land? Didn't it, uh, didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money yours uh, to dispose? What made you think of doing such a thing? It wasn't the money that was the issue. It was the deception that was wrapped up behind it. Because they were trying to present to the church to be one thing, and yet something else was going on. And we know what happened. It wasn't good. He went and met the Lord that day. That's it. And then obviously his wife came in, and you know, three hours later the wife comes in not knowing what had happened. And Peter asked, tell me what price you and Ananias got for the land. And she said what the price was. And Peter said to her, how could you conspire to test the spirit of the Lord? Listen, the feet of the men who buried your husband are at the door. They will come and carry you out also. How many know that would get the attention of the church? <laughs> I'm not calling on anyone today. It's all right. Um, those bodies being lined up are not here for today's lesson. All right. Um, you, you, here's the thing, right? Mammon and the spirit of that, when that gets in and around our heart, it makes us do all kinds of crazy things. And we don't have to look far when we look at the world. We look at uh, you know, government, we look at corruption, we look at power, we look at greed. And greed kind of does a whole bunch of things uh, and takes us places where we don't want to be. Judas was another one. Ever heard of him? And he was one that was right close to Jesus, was one of the disciples, was right in the inner sanctum. Matthew 26, 14 and 16 says, One of the twelve, the one called Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priests and asked him, What are you willing to give me if I deliver him over to you? Wow! Could you believe that? And we know the rest is history, right? Because he did what he did. He sold Jesus out for 30 pieces of silver. And then the guilt and the regret and the remorse got right into him to the point where he went and took his own life. But it was scripture being fulfilled. Mammon has got an incredible power when it touches our hearts. It's not money is not the problem. It's what attaches to money. Amen? Mark chapter 8 says this, 35 and 37. Whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. For what will a profit a man if he gains the whole world and yet loses his own soul? And what will a man give in exchange of his soul? Here's the thought, right? Is that we live in this place of tension as we walk down the path of life. And I don't know about you, but I've had friends that have been close to God and in church that are now not near God and away from God. 
for a whole bunch of different reasons. And some have gone blaming God, some have gone cursing God, some have gone because of something else has filled their heart and now they're devoted to that. You know what? All of us need to be mindful and we need to be wary. We need to walk worthy of the life that God has called us. And why he puts us in a church is to help us to hold each other account. Money in and of itself is not evil. It's what money attaches itself to. When you and I work, we earn our wage, the wage hits the account, and when it's then in our hand, we get to choose where that money goes. Now, if your account is like my account, we get excited for about two hours until we distribute everything and we go, where's it gone, you know? And, you know, there's mortgages, there's bills, there's this, there's that, there's all these other bits and pieces there. But we learn... Young, we learn fast and we always put that principle, God first. God first, God first. It's what it is. It's not evil. Um, what it says here, Jesus and Paul issued the stern warning. Money is not evil. It's the love of money that is. It's the root of all kinds of evil. It's the desire to come rich. It's the desire to quickly, at whatever the cost, whatever the means, to get ahead. And this is what it is. I said to this a couple of weeks ago, follow the money trail. Follow the money trail. How many here have got a budget? How many don't have a budget and maybe need to have a budget? All right. It's all good. Budget's a great tool to help us to understand where money goes. When you do a budget, you kind of, they always say, you know, get all your receipts, everything you've spent, and, uh, and then you accumulate and you go, oh, that's what, that's gone, that's where that's gone, that's where that's gone. If you go to, through our budget, there might be, you might think we might have a caffeine addiction, all right? But it's not. It's really not, is it, Anna? No. Um, but the reality is this. You know, you add up a coffee or two, and you double that in a day, and then you go through the week, and you've got that five times, six times, and seven times. You go, wow, that's a lot of coffees. It's a lot of money. Money is an interesting thing to follow. And if you don't control your money, money will control you. You'll always have lack. You'll always have need. You'll always have want. But if we learn how to manage it in God, and we bring God to the very front of it, and we learn how to understand money, then money has got an incredible power because it's got seed. Wherever you sow seed, there'll become harvest. Amen? And so here's that thought. Here's that thought. Here's the thing. We either choose to trust in the Spirit of God, the El Shaddai, God Almighty, or the Spirit of Mammon. And there's a difference. The El Shaddai is the overpower, meaning God will do what He will purpose to do, overpowering all opposition. Jehovah Jireh, the Jireh is actually means this, that, that God will be seen. How many want God to be seen in their money? I love that. I love the fact that the people of faith can do mighty things with little things. And that's why God puts us in a call of faith. He said, because if you can do it, you don't need me. But when you can't do it, you need me. And that's why God, we trust God. We trust God with everything, with jobs. We trust him with our resources. We trust him with our family. We trust him with our kids. We trust him in all kinds of things. And God wants us to trust him in the area of our financial stewardship. Because if we don't trust him, we fail the test. 
and that's what God doesn't want. He wants us to be free. Free. I love that story in Genesis 22. And Abram said, my son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they both of them went up together. You know what? That's a big call on Abram. Amen? The one son, your only son, this promise that you have waited decades. Now take the knife and take it and kill him. And in Abe, could you imagine the terror that was going through that father's heart? But yet he learned over many, many years that God is faithful. God will provide. And the next minute he looked up and there was a ram in the thicket. Jehovah Jireh, the God who wants to be seen. Amen. I love that. I love that. That God wants himself to be seen in your circumstances. Whether it be hardship, whether it be bankruptcy, whether it be need, whether it be whatever it is, when you look to God and you trust the El Shaddai over the God of this world, the God of mammon, you're going to get a God result. Amen? Amen. Here's where we are. All right. God just simply says this. Um, thank you, Viv. If you can come on up. Proverbs 11. Sorry, when we trust God with our money, we step into his design and his purpose. Proverbs 11, 10 and 11 says, For when the righteous prosper, the city rejoices. For when the wicked perish, there are shouts of joy. Through the blessing of the upright, a city is exalted. And by the mouth of the wicked, it's destroyed. Our job as the church in our community is to bring blessing. When we prosper, everyone is. God says, I will bless you so that you may be the blessing. Amen? And so... It's just a great little thing. Psalm 37, 25 and 26. For I was young and now I'm old. And yet I have never seen the righteous forsaken. Everyone say it together. Never seen. Never seen the righteous forsaken. God will make a way where there seems to be no other way. Jehovah Jireh. I am the God who provides. And I'm going to be seen in that provision. Time and time and time again, we've seen it. And I love that. But it doesn't happen without the testing. It doesn't happen without the trusting. It doesn't happen without the proving. And we are rejoicing when that does come. Proverbs 28, 20, A faithful man will abound with blessing, but he who hastens, to be rich will not go unpunished. Proverbs 10.6, blessings are on the head of the righteous, but violence covers the mouth of the wicked. Money is the divine testing ground for us all, and no one escapes the test. Luke chapter 16, 19 and 13, I say to you, make friends for yourselves by unrighteous mammon, that when you fail, they will receive you into an everlasting home. But hey, he who is faithful in what is least is also faithful in what is much. And he who is unjust with what is least will also be unjust in much. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in unrighteous mammon, 
Who will commit to you trust in true riches? If you've not been faithful in what is another man's, then who will give you what is your own? For no servant can serve two masters. For either he will hate one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to one and despise the other. For you cannot serve both God and mammon. It's a really interesting, confronting reality. Is because God wants our hearts free of idols. He wants us free of the fear of not trusting God. He wants us free. Here's, here's some things um, I want to just run through. If you don't trust God with what God says about money, it's a pride issue because you know more. If you don't trust God with your money, then it's a control issue. If you find it hard to give and live generously, it's most likely a poverty issue. If you love God but don't sow seed consistently in tithes and offerings, it's a trust issue. And if you struggle to be content and think well of others, then it's a gratitude issue. Mammon can attach even to everybody. And we've just got to keep that weed out of our heart. Amen? We've got to keep that thing in control. And I just want to say this, closing two scriptures. Mark 4, 13 and 20, the parable of the sower. He said to them, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? For the sower sows the word. And these are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown. For they hear the word, but yet Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. These likewise are the ones sown on stony ground, for they hear the word and immediately receive it with gladness. But then they have no root in themselves, and so it only endures for a time. Afterward, when tribulation, persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. said, now these are the ones sown among thorns, for they are the ones who hear the word and the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things entering in choke out the word of God and it becomes unfruitful. Here's this word, right? We're living in a time and we are responsible for the condition of the soil of our hearts. The seed is sown. It's the same seed, but it's where it lands depends on what it produces. Amen? And then he says this, these are the ones sown in good ground for those who hear the word accepted, bear fruit, some 30, some 60, and some 100 fold. Don't let mammon dictate in our lives, but let our trust lean into the El Shaddai. Amen? Deuteronomy 8.18, you shall remember the Lord your God. We shall remember you, Lord. Today, Lord, we remember you. For it is you who gives us the power to get wealth that we may establish his covenant which he swore to his fathers as it is to this day. Amen. You know, the reason why we give as believers is because we want to see the work of God extended into the community. The reason why we give into building programs, the reasons why we give into missions, the reasons why we give into guest ministries, the reasons why we sow our seed is because we want to see the covenant of God 
established. Amen. And so here's the thought. And we know we've got people with businesses. We've got people who manage and steward all of their resources really well. We want the blessing of God over it all. Amen. Because we live by a God first principle. Amen. Look at Joel and Suzette. And, you know, they've probably got a, a financial testimony to, to share. There's, you know, I could, I could point out a whole bunch of us, all of us, have got a reason to give God the thanks. Amen. And it's a journey. It's a journey. There's no condemnation. But it's a leaning in and learning how to trust God with the very things. Because whoever holds our heart holds our life. Where your treasure is where your heart is also. And Father, I want to thank you today that you love us and cause us, Lord, just to look at this and learn from it, learn by it. And so God, I pray for every home, every family, every individual, every finance. Father, help help us to walk in conviction. But Lord, forgive us where we've done wrong and not trusted you with our resources. Forgive us where we've been selfish or prideful or coveted us in our actions. Forgive us for listening and being lured at times by unholy spirits of pride or poverty or mammon. And so, God, we ask, Lord, that you would break off a spirit of mammon if it comes around us. Lord, if it lives within us right now, help us to recognize it today and go home and say, God, I want to be free of this thing. I want to be free of this thing because I want to trust you. Lord, I thank you. And God, I thank you today, Father, for our eyes to be open to freedom and hope and your love. Lord, there's not one thing, the Bible says there's not one thing that you've withheld from us, but you've given us everything. Lord, help us to be a people who love you with everything. We pray in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. How many here are believing for a home, to get into a home of your own? Come on, lift up your hand. All right, thank you, Lord. Right now, Lord, let miracles happen. Father, I want to thank you. The desire of these hearts, God, we don't know, but you know. Lord, make a way where it seems possible, but only by you. Father, we agree our faith with their faith. Lord, their journey can become a testimony. Lord, it might feel like the trial right now. It might feel like the testing, but God, we thank you for the testimony. God, I pray that we'd hear more and more testimonies of our financial breakthroughs. Lord, thank you, God. You know, just with every eye shut, if you, if you struggle with fear, you know, around, around finances, can you just put up your hand? I want to break that off. Yeah, okay, good. Thank you for your honesty. God, thank you. Lord, we break off the spirit of fear. And Lord, you see that. And God, we just ask you today in Jesus' name. Father, what's going to happen? Lord, what's going to happen next year? What's going to happen the year after? God, we break that spirit of fear off. And God, we ask, Lord, for vision and and insight. And, And Lord, just your word, your promise to be held within hearts that you are the God Almighty, the Lord our shepherd, and that we shall not want. So God, we thank you that you've prepared places and you've prepared people and you've prepared opportunities, Lord, that we don't need to fear. Fear's a really big one. And I think it's very normal. 
And so, God, we just pray today in Jesus' name. Father, I pray today, Lord, just the joy of your prosperity. Lord, John said this. He said, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. And so, God, I thank you that prosperity is not about money from heaven, but, Lord, it's about freedom from within. It's about the trust. It's about understanding, God, the power of seed and the power of you working in and on our behalf. And so, God, we thank you that we're all on this journey. Help us to learn and encourage one another and give you the praise we've asked in Jesus' mighty name. And we said, Amen.